Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life, and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitestate.com and let us know what He's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitestate.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Welcome to week three of our 30-day church challenge. Two weeks ago, I asked everybody present to do three things. Number one, commit to coming each week of the five weeks for our 30-day challenge. Number two, get your 30-day challenge workbook, little book out in the bookstore, and there's a short, just very short, devotion related to each topic of our five weeks and read it. Third, I asked everybody to consider joining a small connection group. And we said our purpose was to discover and engage in the five purposes of the church. So we said that it would strengthen our relationship with God and to strengthen our relationship with each other. You can't get close to people you're not close to. You got proximity, right? Well, you heard about the guy that was engaged to be married, and he told his fiancée, I'll write you every day. Well, he wrote her every day, and she married the postman. <laughs> Absence does not make the heart go fonder. You got to get together. You got to spend, you got to get to know people. That's how you build a friendship, a band of brothers. So we said, get in a connection group. We said, we also want to learn to view our church, not as a place to come to, but a a family to belong to, a vibrant family, a community of faith, powerful, inspirational, and transformational, reaching our community and our world with the power of good news. There's enough bad news. People need to hear some good news, right? So week one, we talked about authentic community. That's just getting together in a small group where you can know and be known. You can't get known and be known in a big auditorium like this, so you get in a smaller connection group. It's where you can love and be loved, and where you can be, have needs and, and be needed and meet needs because you are, you, you're with close people. When they're going through a problem, they've shared it with the group, so you can easily pray for somebody or do something to help them if they have a need. You can't do that in a big group like that. So I tell people, God says he sets the solitary in families. A, a, a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Two are better than one. Now, if you're arguing with me, you're arguing with God who said he doesn't do anything alone. He puts people together. If one falls down, the other will lift him up. Woe to him who is alone when he falls down. Who's got your back? Who's watching over you if you stumble and fall? Who would help you? Who could come to you and help you on your worst day? And you wouldn't feel judged or embarrassed. You'd feel bad personally, but somebody else would step in in spite of the shame and help you. Who's got your back? You think everybody on your Facebook friends have got your back? You, you, you are deluded. And then week two, we talked about worship. That's another uh, purpose of the church. Community first. Then we talked about the power of worship. And we said we encourage you to come to the weekly worship service. And we said it's only once a week, but it helps you reset, refocus, and recenter what's important. All of us get all week, we get all kind of input coming in to us, and we, get, we can get a little off center in a whole week. 
So in one week, I, I learn what's valuable, what's important, what's not. I'm not the center of the universe. It's not all about me. I get refocused and recentered. I told you that back in my day when we had records, some of you have never seen one, had a hole in the middle, that when they produced them, about one out of every thousand would be slightly off-center. You could barely see it, but when you played the record, it wouldn't play right. So your life won't play right if it's off-center. So the whole purpose of getting in here is getting re-centered on what's important. I get a scrub down from the Word, I get, I get reprioritized, and I get ready and equipped to meet the new week. So it's really good. And we said that worship's not just praising God as we just did. That's one form of worship. I used my iPad and said this, I, this iPhone uh, or iPad represents the Creator well. I can Google, I can find out where I am, I can look at radar in any country, I can use it to travel in the car to get where I want to go, I, I can use it to text and get emails, I can do Facebook. This thing does all kinds of things, well, you and know, it represents Steve Jobs, the creator, very, very well, and made him billions, right? You're not sure, okay. Yeah, that phone represents why it's a bestseller. Well, do you represent, do I represent the Creator well? He made me. Do I, do I function well? My time, my, my talent, my, my treasure, my resources, do I represent Jesus well? That's all. I'm not perfect, but do I represent Him well? And that's, that's what worship is in everything that I do. One of our members here who has his own commercial plumbing business worshiped for two days cleaning out sewage in our big steel pipes that had become clogged on one end of a building, and it took two full days, hours and hours of labor, reconstructing the pipes so that would be less likely to ever happen again, and didn't charge the church a dime. It would have cost us thousands of dollars, and I said, you won't think of it this way, but it's worship. You did that for your family, and you did it with the gift He gave you, the resources He gave you. You did it as unto the Lord. That's worship. That's a stinky worship, but that's worship. Okay? So now, turn with me to Acts 2. This has been our text for the whole campaign, verse 42 through 47. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the first church in verse 44 says they had everything in common. They were a community of people together, a band of brothers. That's what we want you to do in these small connect groups. There's just two weeks left, and you can still get in one online, find a zip code near you. This is the first year we've ever had all of them all over the city full. Everybody, not one was empty, and all of them with lots of new people. So that really excites me. 
Secondly, it says in verse 47, they were into worship. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then they had a third purpose of the church they engaged in. In verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That was the word of God. Now, why did they do it? Well, because they wanted to grow. So today, our third purpose of the church is spiritual growth. You know, when we had our first baby, that child tripled in weight the first year, and so did yours. I figured at that rate, she'll weigh 520 pounds by the time she's four. But God slowed it down. And then I can remember my mother putting me up against the closet door and marking over my head with a pencil, and about once a month checking it to see if I'd grown. And I remember being excited when I did grow and I could see the difference. And boy, every now and then there's a big spurt of growth in our little kids, right? Sometimes they, they just grow out of their shoes and their clothes. Boom, they just jump right up. So remember how excited you were every time you saw that you had grown. There's something in all of us that wants to grow. And you get excited when you see it and you feel it happening. God encourages every believer to grow up. You can get old without growing up. You can grow old and not grow up. Some, we got older people who are still in pampers, spiritually, spiritually. 2 Peter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, But grow up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So growth is a part of who we are as humans. When something's not growing, we get concerned as parents. A pediatrician told me he's never had a mother bring a child in and ask this question, what can I do to make my child grow? Because every mother knew a healthy child grows. So her question was, why isn't my child growing? Well, ask yourself spiritually the same question. If life's the same as it's always been the last five years, you don't need to say, what do I need to grow? You need to say, why am I not growing? Something is quite obviously wrong. Anything alive grows, and God says, I want you to grow up in grace and in knowledge, all right? So the Bible measures our spiritual height. Now I'm going to read out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. And by the time John wrote this letter, he was in his 60s or 70s, which back then was ancient. <clears throat> it's not ancient today. I'm 73, and it ain't ancient, okay? I'm John, the beloved, you are not in my league, you old goat. I'm in my 40s. Well, right, what is it, Jim? What's that age called? You have your biological age and your, you don't know. Jim, you're so old, you don't know. Ushers, watch him. He may decompose before the service is over, right there. <laughs> okay, one, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. That's a new believer. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you've won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. 
I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your heart and you have won your battle with the evil one. So he picks out three different categories of believers. By John's definition, spiritual children are those who have received Jesus. They've been born again. Their sins are forgiven. They receive Jesus. They know God. Then he says, spiritual young men are strong because they are regularly reading God's Word. They're involved in the cause of Christ, advancing His kingdom, and have thereby overcome the evil one. That's the next phase of growth. And then third, spiritual fathers are those who have a relationship with the Lord deep enough to know God's character personally. He's eternal from the beginning. So that's how God measures spiritual growth. Now, life is about growth, and spiritual life is about spiritual growth. Have you noticed the minute we stop growing up, we start growing out? Have you noticed that? Yeah, and that's a battle we fight for the rest of our lives. I'm reading now from Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots go down into Him, just like the roots of a plant go down into soil for nourishment, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So here Paul uses the analogy of a tree. Trees grow until the day they die. Humans do as well. Only some people die on the inside before they die on the outside. Some people die at 25 but aren't buried until they're 70, but they're dead. So a good question this morning is, are you growing if you're a believer? You know, growth is a sign of life. That's a good thing. Secondly, growth is sometimes painful. We call it growing pains. And third, growth is always good. It sure beats the alternative, right? So how can you tell if somebody is dying on the inside? Three, three ways. Number one, they stop learning. When's the last time you learned something you didn't know? Number two, they stop maturing. And number three, they stop caring. Whatever. That's the buzzword of this culture. Whatever. I'll slap your face. Whatever. That's never going to be in my life or my house or my family or my church. Whatever. It ain't going to. It's whatever we decide. We're going to proclaim what God says. We're going to take actions to what God says. And we're going to receive what God. It ain't going to be no whatever, you marshmallow wuss. You need some testosterone or a higher dose of estrogen if you're a girl, whatever. You, that's the way I see it. I don't care what you say. I'm, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be a passive victim. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fight back. I'm not just going to lay down and die, suck my thumb and get a Doris Day spirit. Whatever will be, will be. That's just not biblical. That's why it infuriates me because it's not in the Bible. I get to make choices that determine my future. 
I can't help what happened in the past. I can't help who birthed me, who my parents were. I can't help their misbehavior. I can't help anything until after I left that house. And when I left that house, I only am responsible for my choices. And the decisions I made have dictated the future I have. There's no luck involved. We watch stories every day. People that come out of a minority background or a single parent home or even were given away and don't even know who their parents are who rose to success in life by the choices they made. And if he can do it, you can do it. We can all do it. So if you get in a bunch of people and they think like a bunch of pygmies, you need a new group, right? You do. If everybody in your group is thinking the same way, somebody in your group isn't thinking. You need to move to a new group, really, who thinks a little bigger than you do. I like to be challenged because I want to grow. I want to continue to learn. So you can tell when a person has stopped learning, they never share anything new. They've read nothing new. They never share anything they've learned at a seminar. They probably didn't even go. Or they gleaned from a sermon. They didn't even listen. Or a podcast or a small group conversation. So are you still learning? I'm a leader. I read everything I can get my hands on to be a better, more effective leader. I want to sharpen my skills. If I look back 30 years ago when I started, I'm not the same person. I made some dumb choices because of ignorance, not because of will, but learning a better way improved everything. I've been in marriage seminars. I never liked one of them, but I went to all of them. Two reasons. Number one, it pleased my wife. Happy wife, happy life. Okay. Number two, I always learned something I didn't know that helps me be a better spouse. So how about you? You know, you can, one of you can learn and the other stop learning and you grow apart. That's, that's a terrible thing to do. So there's every opportunity to learn. You, you have, you know, getting married is not just I will, I do you got to learn to stay married. The Bible tells men to dwell with your wife in an understanding way. Some of you know how to, you've learned the skill of hunting a white-tailed deer, but you don't know how to live with a woman. You've been married and divorced four times. You, you had not learned squat. So you need to get smart, learn, grow. You can have a better marriage. We all go through rocky spots. We learn. We learn how to deal. A soft answer turns away wrath. If one of them raises the voice, drop yours. God gives us weapons. God gives us the power to control situations. You're not a but you have to learn that. Well, I didn't know that. Well, I know you only come Easter and Christmas. How would you know anything? I'm surprised you knew where the door was. You got to learn. You got to learn. And I'm, I want to stay learning to the day. When you stop learning, you stop growing, period, done. You're finished. And I tell you what, life will go right on by you, and you'll wonder what happened. You can tell when a person has stopped maturing because their character hasn't changed at all. We're all messed up when we come to Jesus, but I would hope your character's getting better. I hope, I hope telling the truth's a little easier. I hope being honest is a little bit easier. I wish Washington could learn that. They aren't becoming more thoughtful or patient or kind. That's character. They don't do anything more helpful around the house or at work or church than they did a few years ago. They quit maturing because their character has stopped changing. I would hope you'd say, well, I'm a better parent today than I was when I started. I'm a better person today. 
I clearly, I'm not all that I ought to be, but I'm sure better than I used to be. My character has been transforming and being renewed and changing, and uh, I was more impatient and more reactionary. But when you work with a team, you've got to be a good listener. You've got to be patient and kind, and those are fruits of the Spirit. Peace and patience and kindness. You're not soon angry. Things, things that used to tick me off, no, doesn't bother me anymore. I've matured a little bit. I, I'm a better parent now with my grandchildren than I was with my kids. I mean, seriously, most parents in here that are grandparents would say, yeah, I, I don't get upset much. It takes a whole lot to write. But I reacted to everything when I was a young parent. But I, I realize, you know, can you imagine, you know, when you had your first baby, you carried it like maybe a hazardous waste material, like uh, <laughs> uranium-235. Uh, oh, my God. Don't touch. Don't breathe. Don't cough. Don't get, I'm not going to take my baby in the nursery. No baby has ever died in the nursery. Ever, ever, ever. And yet parents think, by the time you have your third child, you just throw it across the door and say, I'll see you when I pick them up. You, know, you realize they are a lot more resilient than you thought. And it's just not as important as you thought. Well, we learn. We mature. We grow. Our character changes. And then you can tell when a person has stopped caring because... They don't care about anything. They don't care deeply about children starving. They don't care about injustice or social injustice or bigotry or racism. They don't care. They're just not interested. Now, those types of people are growth-stunted. Growth-stuntedness can happen to anybody, and God never intends for us to stop growing. So here we go. Write this down. Number one, life is about growing. Colossians 2, 7, let your roots go down in Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Bees grow, uh, birds grow, plants grow, trees grow, viruses grow, germs, microbes, and fungi grow, cancer cells can grow. Everything living is growing or it's dying. And that's a fact we have to live with. I think over the past few years, a lot of us have learned you have to grow just to stay up with what's going on in business and our culture. Because those who aren't growing in their job skills or their ability to enhance the company are the first to get laid off. Every computer you own gets updated every year and a half or so or a smartphone, and you've got to learn to use the new features or risk falling behind. Some people struggle to use Facebook, smartphone, to text, a tablet computer, apps, because they didn't grow up with them, and they didn't realize they'd have to learn all this just in order to keep up with the culture that we're part of. So life is about growing. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 2, Paul says, I fed you with milk, not meat. You weren't ready for it. He's talking to believers. He says, you ought to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow. Little babies nurse on the breast, and they grow, and then pretty soon they get some pablum, and then they get solid food. They grow up. Can you take some strong meat? Are you still stuck at Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves the little children. Well, he does. But, I mean, hey, haven't you been potty trained yet? Can you go a little deeper than that? It ought to affect all of us in many ways. So, yeah, you start somewhere, but hopefully over a period of time, 
you grow on God's word. It's called milk and it's called meat. It's called your necessary food. Jesus is called the bread of life. It sustains you. And that word of God is alive and powerful. It's not Vanity Fair or cosmopolitan. It is alive. It can heal. It can, it can restore. It can encourage. It can empower. That's a special word, right? It's alive. It, that, God says there's health and healing. And your word was unto me life and health to all my flesh. There's healing in that word. If I battle some kind of a sickness coming on me or I'm praying for you, I pray God's word to bring that healing over you all the time. Well, I, I don't pray so good. You don't pray at all. What do you mean you don't pray so good? You don't pray at all. You know, you get better at anything you do. Lord, I pray you'll heal Bobby. Well, that's a good start. I hope you can do better than that after a while. Maybe even quote a verse of scripture. You might not remember the address, but y'all, one of the best things I ever did was learn to memorize scripture. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Every time I start to do something naughty or felt to do something that I shouldn't be doing, that word, boom, flashed right in my head. You know what? It, was, it helped keep me on track. Oh, I know you don't need that, I, I'm sure. <laughs> That's why you, you got nothing up there. Is a, you got nothing up there to say, Ah, 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 ah. It is written, it is written, it is written. And that'll flash in my head about business, about anything. It'll flash up there. Hey, this is contrary to Scripture. I can't do this. Not because God doesn't want me to be happy or anything, but because it'll protect me. So I hid, I hid it in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So it's a, it's a protection. It's a hedge. But you've got to put it in your heart somehow. You've got to get it in there and read it a little bit. Uh, read the owner's manual. You know, it'd be good. So life is about growing. You have to grow just to keep up. And you're either growing or you're shrinking. You never stay stagnant. You either advance or you start declining. And that's true in your marriage, your health, your life, your spiritual life. You're either moving ahead or you're slowly moving back. So life is all about growth. And you and I ought to be getting better at what we do until the day we die. Are you learning how to be better in what God put you in, a career, a calling? With the internet, with all kinds of things available to us today, find out what people do better than you and go and copy. Find out what they know you don't know. That's called wisdom. Why don't you, you know, I said before, copying is cheating in school, but in life it's called wisdom. If people can do your job better, what do they know you don't know? How do they do it? You don't do it. How do they relate to people that you don't? Why do you have trouble having a peace and a good uh, morale in your office and somebody else has a good morale in the office? They're a better leader. They've got a better skill. But you can learn that. You can, you're not born with that. You learn that. But you can't learn it just hoping it's going to fly on you like dust, pixie dust or something. I wish it was that easy. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere or pure milk of God's word. A hungry Christian is a healthy Christian. You, when you don't have an appetite, you're sick. I know some of you. You'd be real sick not to have appetite. But when people are sick, they don't want to eat. When people are dying, they don't want to eat. And they start losing weight, and they become skin and bones. Correct? Right. Okay. How would you, are you, have you been potty trained? Are you still in diapers? Uh, I mean, are you still nursing after five years of being a Christian? Are you growing? So God's word will cause me to grow. It'll make me strong. 
It'll help me be, become strong in faith, more courageous, more apt to believe God to do something really, really big because I've already been there. I've already been through it. His word was true. Made me, kind of made me grow. Now, we said last week, we talked about Romans 12, 1. Paul says, based on all the incredible things God's done for you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead one, a living one. And that's our true and proper worship. Then verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, or Kim Kardashian, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for your life, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So growing is about learning and about transformation. If I get my mind, if I start thinking right, I start acting right. When I change my thinking, it changes my whole life. I don't think like I did when I was in the rock and roll business. I've had my mind renewed by God's word. So I want to think like God. I don't want to think like Kim Kardashian. I don't want to think like uh, Steve Jobs did spiritually. I want to think like God thinks. That's about the highest smart I know you could have to think like him. So if you don't get any of the word in you, it's not possible to transform your thinking. So growth is about transformation, and it's about growing up in God's word. Romans 8, 29 says we're supposed to be conformed to the image of God's son. And then Romans 12, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So that's what I'm to grow to. I'm supposed to end up kind of thinking like, acting like Jesus would if he is here. I'm not a great example yet, but I'm a better example than I was. I want, to, I want to represent him well. I want to have compassion. I want to have mercy. I want to have grace. I want to walk and have some power when I face a difficult issue or a sickness or some kind of a, an attack by the enemy. We've got weapons. Be strong and of good courage. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Uh, I've, that word is in me, so I'm going to face up to whatever challenge I have with boldness and courage. When you grow as a football player, you learn to run better. You learn how to tackle better. You learn how to read the defense better. The championship teams can read what's coming. They've been trained. When you grow as a Christian, you learn how to believe better, how to hope better, how to love better how to have better faith, how to prosper in your life. See, you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Things that were a big thing to me uh, 30 years ago are little dipstick things. Now, that's not a big deal. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, hey, wait. You're still in training diapers. I understand. That's a big deal. Come, come, in, come in here. We'll change your diaper. Okay, whatever. Get back here. But I'm not... I don't think it's possible to fall apart. I just don't, I don't see that in Scripture. I see that people either know the Word or they don't know the Word. And if you don't know the Word, you're going to be, Paul says, you're like, a, you're like a little kid that believes that a fat man comes down a chimney with a red suit and you don't even have a chimney. It, you, you, because you're carried away with every wind of doctrine. You're immature. You're easy to deceive. Till children are, are precious because they'll believe anything. And he says, some of you are like these little children. You're spiritually immature. You believe anything. Anything you hear, it's nonsense. But when you grow up and get mature, you check everything out. You say, that's not in the Word. I don't believe that for a second. That's not in Scripture. Where's that kind of a person? You know? <laughs> right here behind this pulpit. That's where one is, okay? I don't know where the rest of you are. Okay, so when you grow as a Christian, you, 
you have stronger faith. You, you take a bigger risk. You have more confidence. God's going to come through. You believe less of what Hollywood says and more of what God says. You become less of a taker, more of a giver. Your life becomes less about you and more about others. None of that happens overnight. It's a process. So Paul says, be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind. So that's not a one-time thing. That's an everyday thing, renewing my mind. That's why we come every week. I want to get my mind renewed and centered. I want to be thinking like God, praying like God, expecting, believing like God, not some pygmy. I want to, I want to see something change big time. So it's an all-the-time ongoing deal, being transformed in the renewing of my mind. So you need to be renewed, and I need to be renewed, and I need it every single week. So renewal is a process that happens one step at a time, and the more steps you take, the better you get and the more progress you make. So we learned last week that one of the fundamentals is weekly worship. Coming to church each week resets your mental and spiritual clock your mind by reminding you of what's really important. And certain habits practiced over time lead to spiritual transformation. The second most fundamental step was Bible reading. Okay? Now today, if you're not a good reader, you can get an app. It'll read to you. You can put in a CD. You can watch a podcast. You can turn it onto a channel. There's just no excuse not to have God's Word going into you. The Bible contains pure truth. Jesus said, sanctify them, Father, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So it's not like Sports Illustrated or Cosmopolitan Magazine. They contain some truth and a lot of distortions of truth. But our Bible is all true. Everything it says about God, it's true. Everything it says about life is true. Everything it says about me or you is true. So when you read this book, it helps you think more accurately, see the world more precisely, and understand God's will more clearly. The more accurate, precise, and clear your thinking is, the more mature you'll happen to be. Get rid, Zig Ziglar used to say, of stinking thinking. Well, I can't, and I won't, and it'll never happen, and I'll lose, and I can't. See, where did you cultivate that thinking? Because it's affecting and limiting your life. So I want to change. That's why I make confessions every day from Scripture. I am justified. I am redeemed. I'm the apple of my Father's eye. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can have what God says I can have. I don't care what my family did. I'm not bound to their limitations, and neither are you. I'm not going to let a Democrat, a Republican, a Hispanic, an African-American, or a Caucasian limit my life. I'm going to think like God thinks, the best I know how. I'm going to hang out with people who think that way. Iron sharpens iron. Deep calls to deep. Stupid calls to stupid. Yeah, that's true. Even in church, be careful who you hang out with. Everybody's not on the same page. There's some people in here merely to pick up all of our good-looking young ladies. Well, they are good-looking young ladies, but if you're here just to pick them up, we're going to put you out. You won't take responsibility. Well, that's good. I was just wondering whether to jump on that horse and ride it for a while or not. I was just sort of thinking about it. 
I better let it go. So there are a lot of steps to maturity. Prayer helps renew my mind. Leading a small group, being in a connection group helps renew my mind. I get to hear others pray, talk, share. I'm renewing my mind, see? Sharing your faith forces your mind to be renewed because I have to be clear on what's true in order to share it with somebody else. So that's helping me mature. That's all part of our 30-day challenge. Your challenge this week is to grow. Now, by the way, you can't go to the gym, never been to the gym, and you want to build muscles and you want to get fit. They're not going to put you in a two-hour weight workout. You won't even get up the next morning. You won't ever come back. That's not possible. Life by the yard is hard. Life by the inch is a cinch. It's just little by little by little. So if I was at super slow and I have a sit-down weight with the bars here and the trainer puts the weight on, I have to go out eight seconds, hold two, back eight seconds. I can't do this. Got to do it slow, hold five seconds, back out two. And they've got that thing down to what my minimum has to be and what the maximum has to be. As soon as I reach maximum, they put more weight on it. I never get ahead. I never break it. Uh, now they got more weight. And, and then pretty soon you're doing this. And then a few weeks later, hey, you hit the three-minute minimum, uh, maximum. Therefore, they put... So you're, they're always going to, and one day you look at that thing, six months later, you got that much weight on it, and you started with a little pink one, you know, <laughs> a little Barbie weight, and you didn't realize it, how, how strong you're getting, and your bones are getting, just little by little. You don't start out with a 26 freaking mile run, you start out with maybe let's go around the block. Well, let's just take a little jog around the house or something, something like that. They're going to start off with 26 miles. You work up to it, right? You work up to it. Well, that's what we're trying to get you to do, to grow small steps, little by little, until one day you turn around and you're spiritually buff. You're looking good, girl. You're looking fine. So part of spending time with God is reading the Bible. The second part is talking to God. God speaks to me while I read the Bible. I speak to God when I pray. So here's a couple of options, and then we'll close. If you're now reading the Bible, your challenge is to commit to reading the Bible like five minutes a day for 21 days. Sociologists say it takes 21 days to build a new habit. And if you'll do that, you can continue. But I usually tell people, if you've never done it, why don't you start by just reading the Bible for five minutes? How, I mean, five minutes on a cup of coffee is nothing. Or just listen to it in the car on 281. You'll have lots of time to listen on 281 or 1604, either one, probably. You'll be amazed what you accomplish. And then talk to God. Just talk to him. Don't get into King James language. You're not 400 years old, thee, thou, and duh. Just talk, just English. Lord, thank you for this day. I'm facing a real challenge in my job today. I've got to present something, whatever. Uh, I pray for your wisdom. I pray for your help. I pray you'll give me grace today. Or bless my child. They're taking an exam. They're a little worried about it. Bless their comprehension. Just talk. How hard was that? It's like, just pretend somebody's sitting there with a cup of coffee and you're talking to them, and they have the answer to your problem. You're just talking to God who does have the answer, and all prayer is is just talking to God. Don't, don't. We, we had a woman the one time, I made her stop, 
Of course, she left the church. When she'd get in a fetal position on the stage, go in and, and scream and, and go into all kind of noises as though that groaning was going to make God. It scared everybody in the church. I just said, stop that. Stop that. You could do that home alone if you want to, but you don't do that here. Then we had a guy that would, would come in here with towels hanging all off of He'd have them on his belt, all kind of towels, flags, and scarves. I mean, I'm talking like 50. And he'd come down here, and he'd just dance unto the Lord, and nobody else is dancing. And everybody's watching him. Now, when all the young people are here, and they do the mosh pit, cool. But when it's just you, and you look like weird with all this on you, everybody's watching you. They're being distracted. So I said, you will go up on the top, and that's that service where nobody would see him. You get to go up there, and you can dance alone unless all the team's down here dancing. Well, he didn't like that, so he left. And I said, good riddance, because you're just there to be seen, make a show. See, a little bit of discipline there. Ah, we run into all kinds of stuff. But, you know, you grow up, you mature, and you bring a little bit of order to the house. I'm, not in, I'm a no-nonsense guy, okay? If you don't like that, if you want to get spooky and weird, fine. But I'm not against you. But it, I never saw anything good come out of it. I've been around a long time, outlived a lot of them, and I never saw anything profitable help strengthen a marriage out of you being weird. You know, I never found any, nobody ever said, Jesus, man, he's weird. No, they said, holy cow, he told the wind to stop, and it did. Wow. Or never, he said to that dead kid, get up, and it did. And then he was kind to uh, unclean people. I thought, how about quit being weird and do some of that? You know, how about be nice to a neighbor you don't know? How about come to someone's defense who's being mistreated? You know, I, one of the things I think I, 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 I detest more as I've gotten older is a silent friend. A silent friend is no friend. You speak up. You defend your brother. You represent them well. If they're being mistreated or they're being prejudiced against, you speak up. You say, well, I didn't like it, but you didn't speak up. So what good was it? I need a friend who will speak up for me. So I always go to bat for my friends. It's not, I never justify their wrongdoing, but I go to bat for them. And I, who's got your back? Now, it's not in my message, but it just came to me, so somebody might need to hear it. So when you do an exercise, you start little by little by little, and you build up. And then you say, as you read God's Word, you know, I'd like to be more of what I see here. Well, then, in your prayer, say, Lord, help make me more like that. Help give me more patience. Help me to be speak slower or less help me not talk so much help me be a good listener until someone is finished and my wife's helped me with that because I've already got the answer before you get halfway down the road and I need to stop and let you finish the sentence and then speak kindly I learned that right you learn to do that to get along with people if you're already in the habit of reading your Bible, well, add a little weight to it. Go just a little bit deeper. Meditate on it. Maybe write something down that God said to you out of it for the day. And one more principle, what's the purpose of growth? All purpose of growth is reproduction, re-bearing fruit. Jesus said the highest form of spirituality is to be a spiritual father, and you can't be a father unless you've got kids. So a mature tree produces fruit that will produce another tree. 
In John 15, verse 5, this will be our last place. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away as a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my real disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So God wants me, he wants you to be fruitful. That's all. It's called bearing fruit. And we do that as we abide in him. And he gets glory as we become productive and fruitful. Jesus, you would agree, was the ultimate fruit bearer. Every one of us and all the other two billion followers of Jesus on earth today are his fruit. Fruit that came from him inviting somebody to be a follower, and that person inviting someone to be a follower, and that person inviting somebody to be a follower, until somebody came at a lunch table for me uh, 40 years ago and invited me to be a follower. See? So picture in your mind a healthy body. Or picture in your mind an unhealthy body, always out of breath, feeling flabby, never any energy. Then imagine yourself trim and buff. You can run a 5K, little effort. You can work all day in the yard. You're in shape. And I would ask people, which feels better, being fit or being flabby? Well, being fit does. Now transfer that to the spiritual realm. Imagine yourself not caring a whole bunch about God, not caring about people, you're self-centered, you're stingy, you're lazy, you don't value the truth, keeping your word or helping others. Then reverse that and imagine yourself spiritually mature. You're trustworthy, you're generous, you're other-centered. People admire you for your character. You tell the truth, you're patient, you're kind, you're at peace, you're self-controlled. You actually enjoy helping others become better people as well. Well, I'm going to tell you that's going to feel better. So I've got to be transformed in my mind through God's Word so I can grow. And if you haven't got a book, go by the bookstore and get one and jump into a small group for these last two weeks. Everybody say after me, Lord Jesus, I want to grow. This week, I'll renew my mind. I'll attend a small group. I'll spend time with you. I'll listen or read your Word. I will pray. I'll show up next week. I'll worship you well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today, and may God richly bless you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.